Hey, good people. It's me, Dr. G. I hope this message reaches you in the middle of an amazingly restful, peaceful, and hopeful holiday season, even in the midst of everything else that is going on around us politically and physically, spiritually, emotionally, in all the ways. Um, if you are like me, you are feeling it, um, but not necessarily all bad stuff, but just feeling the continued change that happens all around us. Um, if you are not me, but you've been a fan of the show, you are probably like, girl, where you been? <laughs> and so I can't even front. I do owe y'all an apology. Uh, I've had a lot of good things happen to me this fall, starting a tenure track teaching position, teaching human sexuality for graduate students, uh, conducting my third ever keynote address for the National Sex Ed Conference, finally, finally, finally releasing my first ever book, Black and Sexy, A Framework of Racialized Sexuality, which you can find online now at Rutledge.com or at my new website, DrTracyG.com. And just trying to stay sane and keep from falling apart in all this stuff that's going on. So yeah. <laughs> That's why you haven't heard from me, but just know that I am still here, still doing my best to continue to facilitate a space where black sexologists, sexuality educators, sexuality practitioners can have their voices heard. So that's what we're doing. I've got a lot of content that I was able to collect over the last few months that I didn't yet publish. And so you're going to get an episode today. Um, but then you're also going to get more episodes over the next few months of those conversations I had in the fall, as well as new conversations. I am switching up the schedule. And so while this used to be a weekly podcast, it will no longer be that, uh, unless I get some wonderful benefactor who comes and, you know, gives me a full budget with a support staff and a engineer and all that good stuff. In the meantime, what you're going to get instead is a monthly episode. So this will, this podcast will now be published every month and you'll get a great episode to enjoy in a way that's sustainable and doesn't uh, make me stroke out before my time. Um, at any rate, I'm done talking. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thank you again, as always, for your listening and for your continued support of TSOB with Dr. G, aka the sex ed of Black. Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of TSOB with me, Dr. G. I am, y'all know it. Y'all already know. You can tell me how I'm feeling right now. I am super excited for this conversation that is happening today. Um, you know, it's been a busy season and a lot is going on, but I'm still it's still important to me to continue to have conversations with sexuality educators, particularly black folks who are doing amazing work. And my guests for this conversation are no different. I'm talking about none other than Dr. Hope Crenshaw and Petrina Williams of Teen Health Mississippi. Um, you know how we're going to do. I'm going to read their bio. I'm going to bring them in and we're going to have a great time. This is the second part of a two-parter that we started this season with Dr. Rena Dixon out of uh, Fact Forward in South Carolina. And so now we're wrapping it up with our folks here today. So again, I'm going to read their bios. We're going to get into it. So... I'll start with Dr. Crenshaw. Hope Crenshaw is the executive director of Teen Health Mississippi, which is an organization out of Mississippi that does amazing work with young people around sexual health and empowerment. Hope directly interacts with all stakeholders, donors, partner organizations, and other policymakers interested in supporting the work. She works with the board of directors to ensure that Teen Health Mississippi is functioning according to its mission and goals and operating within its budget and funding restrictions. Hope is also responsible for overseeing all Teen Health Mississippi programming and growth and supporting the Teen Health Mississippi staff. 
Hope is based in the Jackson, Mississippi office. And so that's Dr. Crenshaw. And now we have Katrina Williams, who is the Director of Education and Training for Teen Health Mississippi. And she has spent 15 years working in the consumer-centric healthcare marketplace. Katrina specializes in youth-friendly healthcare and ensuring health centers offer the range of contraceptive health options that youth have youth-friendly spaces within clinical settings and that clinical systems develop proper protocols to ensure minors' rights and confidentiality. Her efforts supported sustained relationships between federally qualified health center staff and community members across three counties in North Mississippi. And she too is based in the Jackson, Mississippi office. So that's Dr. Crenshaw and Petrina. Without further ado, welcome to TSOB. And thank y'all so much for being with me this morning. Thank you so much for having us. We're, we're super you. excited to be here. Yes, yes, definitely. I know because especially as an executive director, folks' calendars are insane. And so just the fact that y'all were both able to find time to be with me simultaneously, I'm just really super um, thankful that you're here. Um, so we're not going to waste too much more time. I'm going to start with the same question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show to start off. It's a three-parter. Um, basically, I want to know where you're from, where you're people from, and what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days. So whoever wants to go first can jump in. I'll jump in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Patria just gave me that eye. It's like, oh, no, no, you're going to jump in. <laughs> uh, so um, Hope Crenshaw here. I am from uh, Crenshaw, Mississippi. And so... Uh, that is in the northwest corner of the state of Mississippi. My people are from the Mississippi Delta, which gets its notoriety for the land where the blues began. Um, yes. and people oftentimes talk about it in, in deficit terms, but I think about it in terms of just a really rich community in love and in partnerships and just super excited to be here. And the thing that just has me thinking about sex and sexuality these days it's just really, how do we make this a community conversation? And how do we make it so that communities feel like they're being a part of the conversation, not that they're being talked at, uh, which yes. has largely been the case in so many of our communities. And so, yeah, how do we build these spaces that that's collaborative? Yes, 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 yes. I love it. But Trina, I'm gonna let you go in a second. But wait a minute. I, I, I feel like you kind of glossed over the fact that you are from Crenshaw, Mississippi, and your last name is Crenshaw. Tell me more about that. Like is, you know, are you royalty that we don't we don't re we didn't realize what's going on? So, you know, I get this question often. I get it mm -hmm. so often. And I will say that there are two, two separate sets of Crenshaws. Okay. There's one with the mansion on the hill that is, mm -hmm. those aren't my people. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are ones on the other side of the track that are my people. Um, but then, gotcha. um, I mean, I am not, um, what, what's, the, what's the word here? It's not, I'm not oblivious to, to the historical connotations that may be there as yeah. well. So I, I kind of recognize that. But um, my family who did the research was like, nope, those aren't our people. Um, they don't owe us anything. It's not them. Um, that okay. we're, we're originally from the Carolinas, um, is what they say. So yeah, that, so that is uh, very interesting. coincidental okay. then. Very much so. I mean, I think wow. there's still a little something there, yeah. but I just haven't done the personal research to figure that out. Okay. Okay. But that, that's exactly why I ask these questions because I'm always so fascinated about our stories. And I think a lot of the assumption is that, oh, well, we don't know because it happened so long ago. And it's like, well, now we have a lot more, you know, access to things that we can research and find out. So I'm always interested in seeing what people's stories are. So definitely thank you for giving us that that tale. That was that was interesting. Definitely. Petrina, your turn. Yes. And so where am I from? Where are my people from? Well, I was born and raised in Connecticut. Um, my parents migrated there by way of Milwaukee, Chicago, and my dad's family's from Louisiana, and my mom's family's here in Mississippi. So oh my, my gosh! Are... Oh, like, oh, so you, you, you said my, like, the listeners I know are like, oh my god, I know Dr. G is having an orgasm because you have people from Milwaukee, and I'm yes. like, oh my god, that's where I'm from, so I'm like, oh, wow. who are your oh, people? Wow. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. That's another reason I asked too, because I'm like, it's all, we're all family. We're all kids. We like, really? Oh Again. my God. So we have to, we, I don't want to derail the conversation, but at some point, we're going to find <laughs> out who your people are, what high school they went Absolutely. to. Do I know them? Because <laughs> the I'm likelihood may affect me that some, I do. Yeah, some links. This feels like a family reunion. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, my, listen, we could get into it because. On my father's side, well, not my father's side, my brother's father's side, but you said you're from Kentucky. I mean, from Connecticut. I was going to say uh, my brother's father's people are from Mississippi. They're from Leland, oh. Mississippi. Oh, and so okay. We know where yeah, that is. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, right the there's connections. Yeah. There's connections. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. And what's got you thinking about sex and sexuality these days, Petrina? Oh, what's got me thinking about sex and sexuality these days um, with everything that's going on uh, just wanting to ensure that young people have access to the information that they would want and or have a trusted adult that they can talk to that i didn't have so yeah that's what's got me thinking absolutely absolutely and you have me asking one other question how did you get from connecticut to mississippi family Uh, okay (laughs) begins with family and always comes back to family yeah Yeah, i get that Um, i I get that in connecticut and uh, went to school in virginia worked in dc for a while and then came to mississippi when my mom retired down here oh that's beautiful i i said this i know people and we're gonna get into it i'm sure at some point but people talk so much about like oh the south is this and it's that I have felt such good energy in Mississippi where I'm like, I would absolutely retire in Mississippi, find a place, secluded place, just have my house and my farm and just mind my business. I, I just feel like it's just beautiful energy. And, and I'm like, I love the heat. I'm ready. Let's do it. So <laughs> I was and I were talking yesterday and we were just talking about like how we, we ended up here. Um, and I'm originally from Mississippi but as soon as I got a chance to run away, I did. I, I said I was going for school, but I was in Minnesota for six years, Illinois, and all roads led back to Mississippi. There is something about Mississippi that just, it kind of holds you in place yeah. and not like, it could be in kind of like the creepy way, but also <laughs> in the way that in, in all of my travels and places, there has been no place that's more rewarding to do this work than Mississippi. Mm, um, it is true. something about just the openness and the receptivity of a lot of people just because you haven't had access to this information. Like this is the place where we where we know access to information was just not afforded to people. And so now being able to give them that and to give them uh, this sense of freedom because they can now make informed decisions about their health and their lives and their family has been just a remarkable experience. I love that. Yes, yes. And I think that's a perfect transition because the next question I was going to ask was, How'd you get into this work? Like, how did you make the choice, especially to be a sex educator and a black sex educator? Because I, I, you know, I feel like everybody's journey is different, but I feel like for a lot of black folks, this idea of like, you can do this comes with different (laughs) pieces to it. You know, not always, oh yeah, I'm gonna go do this thing called sex ed. So again, whoever wants to, and since you already started, uh, Hope, if you want to start talking about your journey, how'd you get into this work? Please do. Yeah, it was, it was so interesting because, so again, from the Mississippi Delta, and I've always had this one question in mind about like, how do we build um, resources and information in communities? There were people who really poured into me because they saw something into me, in me, mm-hmm. uh, but they, a lot of my classmates who were just equally as capable didn't get those that same access to resources and information. So that was just like my one just thought, like all through life was like, how do we build better spaces where we get more access to resources and information and push youth forward, but in the same time, push communities forward. And so while I was thinking that, I was like, hey, I'm going to run out. I'm going to run out as far as far away from Mississippi as possible because <laughs> I'm 18 and I can do that. And blame it on college um but again all roads came back to mississippi um and i started working as a teacher eventually in the public school systems in mississippi um and just saw that our youth they were lacking a lot of things and it couldn't be solved just by me being a teacher there needed to be a different platform for me to um to give and to make sure that people were poured into 
Um, I, I will tell you honestly, as a person raised in the Delta, I saw all types of abuses when it comes to sexual and sexual health. Um, I remember a friend of mine being put on the front row at church because she got pregnant and she had to apologize to the church. Like the the level of trauma and a, that's associated with sex and sexuality is huge. Um, and I didn't think that this would be a part of the work that I do, but ultimately after uh, finishing my doctoral degree, came back to Mississippi, found an organization called Mississippi First, which we ultimately spun off to Teen Health Mississippi, where they were like, you can talk about anything in terms of community pain point. Let's talk about sex. Uh, really? Like from oh, a shit. family that did not talk about sex at all, let's right. have these conversations. I think the proudest moment was when we actually went back to my home church and they had we were talking about birth control access in the sanctuary, like the big cross in front. And I know that's not progressive in a lot of spaces, but that was super huge that's to be able to have huge. this conversation. <laughs> huge, huge. Um, and, and that's just been it. It's like sex is, is part of the topic. It's the conversation, but there are so many other things that we can deal with and have conversations about. And it's just really rich to be able to start here and to have those conversations. Yeah. Oh, ooh. That, I'm excited. Like, yes. <laughs> Patrina, how about you? How'd you get into this work? Wow. So, um, ironically, when I lived in Connecticut, my mom, uh, when I was in high school, signed me up to be a peer educator right around when the HIV crisis was happening. So we got to go through this training program and do peer education. Well, fast forward to here in Mississippi, um, I saw an opportunity with this organization that talked about, you know, teen health and agency for young people and uh, for the young people, by the young people. So I'm like, oh, wow, come into Teen of Mississippi, into this role. And I was like, oh, wow, this is the closest that I've seen to that place and that thing that I did in Connecticut that I just really love because it wasn't anything other than we were taught information to begin to have conversations, right? And so the education happened in that very casual and common way. And what a gift that here in Mississippi, we've got an organization with people who are doing that and creating that same kind of network, that same kind of synergy with young people um, with the topic of sex as well. Oof. And I love, we're going to get into that too, because one of the things I really love about your organization, just based on what I've seen in terms of the social media and just the presence that you all have is the, the ways that young people are included in the sharing of information, in the centering of the topics that matter to them, in the actually being a voice in the conversation. I think that's so important. And I think that's a piece that often I don't see everywhere. So we're definitely going to talk about that. And I love that you raised that. Um, before we get there though, the question I ask everyone that I'm going to ask you both, when you think about your work and the impact that you have in this work, what would you say your sex ed superpower is, if you have one? I want to say um, community whisperer. Ooh, and I like it. Yeah, um, I think being able to just hear what the community has to say. Um, and, and to give them space to have those conversations. Uh, I think one of the cool things about being from Mississippi is that, um, and doing this work in Mississippi, is that Mississippians are blunt. <laughs> they are just very, uh, Rena said that as well. It's like, Southerners yes. are just like open, right? And they're going to tell you exactly their pain points. They're going to tell you what they feel, what they think. Um, and it's such a great place to, to do this work. It's, it's a great place to be able to say that we're here, we have thoughts and opinions, we're not forces to be acted upon, we are we are ready to take part of our, in our own lives and our own health. And it's just a, a wonderful, absolutely wonderful experience to, to be the community whisperer yeah. um, because we get to like amplify what the community is saying. The conversations are happening. We get to yeah. amplify them and to give them a public forum and it's, it's so phenomenal. I love that. I love that. The community whisperer. Mm, love it. <laughs> Petrina, how about you? Um, I think my superpower is my presence. Um, I come to this work authentically me and fully grounded and comfortable in that. And I think sometimes that uh, affords me the gift to be present and to listen and be okay with people as they begin to wrestle and or question, right? So it's just um, holding a space where people can really 
start to think and maybe even uncover something and wrestle with what they uncover and still mm -hmm. be okay after we're um, done with that conversation or that moment. Yeah, yeah. I do love, I, I will say when I was working at Widener and we were working with the um, beef healthcare and the project that was happening in Mississippi, that's one thing I really appreciated all of the like community, the ways that people were willing to come out and talk because I think up here that things can be, I don't want to say clickish, but it can be kind of like, everybody's mistrust, like they're like, well, why, I don't know that I could talk to you and what's your angle and what's your, because a lot of people have angles. And so the ability to be able to like, just say, no, we're going to have a safe space that we can open. And maybe you, you are afraid that if I say this, somebody else will judge me or whatever. There's still kind of that sense of like, no, I'm going to say what I want to say. And I really, I really do see that. And I appreciate that as well. I think the cool thing is like having, um, we have the, the training cadre which are, are professionals from around the state. Like you're having this conversation with your neighbor. You're not having oh, it with yeah, somebody yeah, that's yeah. like distant and kind of far off. You're having this conversation with people who, who look like you, who go to your church or who are in your same space. And so what we get is this raw, authentic form and we're able to build conversations around that. One of the coolest things that happened in that process, and, and feel free to cut this out, but like one of the coolest things that happened is that we made an, an LGBTQ inclusive training um, and we started off in the Delta in a small community and they were just like, this was a couple years ago, they were raw and uncut and it was like, uh, okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. But we began to have this conversation and we saw like people's attitudes and just changes and shifts in, in even their language. And yeah. we saw like apologies and tears. Like it was, a, it was a deal, it was a thing. And what we did was we took that from that small community, did it in a couple more communities, Mississippi State Department of Health caught wind of it. We began to train their whole, like their staff yeah. on like just inclusivity when it comes to like healthcare around LGBTQ youth. And then just like last year, we were able to to expand that to Louisiana State University School of Medicine. And so it, it's just something phenomenal about creating these spaces and creating opportunities. People really want to talk. They really want to get their misconceptions out in the open and offer a space that I think Katrina does so very well. It's like, say what you're going to say, but also know we're going to hold you accountable yeah. for what you say. Yeah. And we're going to do it in a way that's just really loving. And I think yeah. Katrina like nails it every time. She's, she's amazing. Yes, yes. I love that. I, and you know what? That makes me think, and that makes me think of the question, you already kind of are getting into it, but um, I'm curious about what you feel like makes sex ed in the South and in Mississippi, but the South in general, just so special. And that's one of the things I think for me really draws me to thinking about the South, right? Like I think the North does a good job of talking a talk that may, they may not necessarily walk. Whereas the South is like, we are what we are, <laughs> good, bad, or indifferent. And, you know, when I think about Kevin Hart, I know he's from Philly, but he talks about saying stuff with your chest. I'm like, if I can count on Southerners to do nothing else, they're going to say it with your chest, whether or not you like it. <laughs> and, but at the Absolutely. same time, when it comes to like their hesitations, I definitely can see what you mean in terms of the headway that can be made when people feel like, okay, I don't have to worry about you proselytizing to me. I don't have to worry about you making me feel like there's something wrong with what I feel. And that puts me in a space where I can disarm myself and be willing to hear that maybe I need to evolve my thinking and maybe I need to put away this something, you know, or start to ask myself questions about, well, why do I believe this? And is this actually true? And what's a better way of looking at this if I, in fact care about my neighbors and I care about the folks. And, and I think that's definitely something different than what I see up north where it's like a lot of folks doing the work, but not necessarily seeing each other as community, as family, as like, we have the same vested interest in this and it's not just a job. So what do you, I mean, I could be completely wrong, <laughs> but what do you all think in terms of what makes sex ed in the South so special? You are preaching to the choir here. Like, we're, we're just like, I, I know the audience can't, can't like see us, but we're just like, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I think the thing for us is, it's so amazing when we get to create our own sex ed um, mm -hmm. in the way that is authentic to our community. So, um, I mean, I love Ebby's uh, evidence-based information. I love those. They, they have information that's evidence-based, right? 
But the problem is that oftentimes in the South or in Mississippi in general, I can speak for Mississippi, we get these canned uh, sex ed curricula, right? And Mm -hmm. it comes here and it doesn't fit. It's like square peg, round hole, right? It just Mm -hmm. doesn't quite fit. And we work with it because, you know, that's what's on the national list. But it doesn't always fit perfectly with what we what we're thinking, how we are, what's our context, right. and so being able to like build from the ground up and say, okay, this is where you are exactly, and then being able to create, co-create with your community is something phenomenal. And what works is what we know is that when we bring it out to the urban spaces, the urban spaces are like, yeah, yeah, I did want. Well, now that you brought it up, uh-huh. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but like, it's just something about that openness that you can really work with in ways that you can't necessarily work with when people are just not honest about mm-hmm. where they are um, with, mm-hmm. with sex ed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Katrina, did you have thoughts about that? Uh, just feeling the amen, everything that's been said. <laughs> I think um, for me, the cool thing in doing the work here is um, I know my people. And for instance, like when a talk happened in my household, it was a um, hold an aspirin between your knees. And it took me, I was like, hold an aspirin between my knee. And I didn't get it for a while. I was like, oh, you're just saying, no. Okay. Uh All right. And and that was the conversation, right? The language was, we're not going to talk about it, do what I said and be done with it. And it's like, okay. And having to honor like that's what they felt was safest for me, or that was their way of protecting me. And so how do I hold that and the awareness that there's still information or or knowledge that I need? So how do I create a space that allows for everyone to be okay and be educated at the same time? Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's kind of the gift of doing the work here. It's it's the knowing our family and also knowing our young people um, still need the information. So how do we make that happen? Yeah, I love that. I love that. that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah. Um, so that actually gets me into the question, the next question that I ask my guests, um, particularly because, you know, I'm very clear that this is centering black communities, black folks experiences. And so I'm curious what you all feel like if there's one or a few things, I don't know, that you feel like black folks could stand to do better on or evolve their thinking in or where you feel like the opportunities are as it relates to sexuality. What would you say those are? I'm going to let you jump in. Okay. Yeah, I think um, just kind of getting back to what we were just talking about, I think everyone is doing the best that they know how to do. And Mm -hmm. so how do you hold that and also invite us to do more or to learn more or to listen in a way that I can hear, well, oh, wow, I've been saying that, but, oh, those words might hurt someone. And so can I sit with that? Can I be lovingly curious about that and then choose to do something different moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. So it is just that um, always coming back to that understanding that we have to hope that people are doing their best and um, how do we get better? Well, we get better by having some potentially uncomfortable conversations, right? We get better by potentially wrestling with some things that, we thought to be true that, you know, it's okay to, to look and interrogate that again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. How about you, Dr. Crenshaw? Um, so I, I will say, I would just echo the sentiments of Katrina there. And I think Katrina said something the other day that, that I just, I thought was amazing. And she said, we have to hold each other to loving accountability. Mm-hmm. And that. Yes, like I think that's so key for our context. Like, um, we're inviting you to the space to have these conversations, but it has to be in a way that says, I acknowledge where you are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just want to drag them to where you want them to be, and be like, okay, here's your starting point, right? And that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen because right. Southerners, Black Southerners, we know where we are. 
right. and you better find me. Right. Where you better find I me. I built my right. house here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so it's, it's knocking on that door and having a cup of tea or um, sweet tea on the porch yeah. of wherever they are and then saying, I acknowledge where you are. How about we think about things differently? And I think that's been the, the catalyst for why the work that we've done has been so influential. Mm-hmm. Is that we're we're inviting people that wherever you are, let's have that conversation. And we know where we we would love for them to be, but that's not the reality of the con of the context. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. One of the things that was coming up for me when you were talking, Katrina, was um, this notion of the both and, which I think is a very non Western concept that I think a lot of Eastern cultures are able to accept, but can be a challenge when you exist in. a a country that was founded on like either it's this or it's this and it cannot be both. And I think sometimes I think it's important to understand that you can, you can be in a space where it acknowledges like, yeah, this person has this way of thinking that is a challenge. And also there is always opportunities to still build community, to still um, hold space and to still, be with even if even if for some folks it's like being with you means I'm nowhere near you right like I'm over here and you do your thing um and I, I'm reminded of Dominique Morgan the executive director of Black and Pink who talks about asking people okay I know you have this thought is this getting the, the result you want if it is not is there a space within that to move to where you want and using that as a starting line versus you're not in the right place. You need to be over here because we know very often that that is not going to work and nobody wants to be told that they are wrong and that they need to go somewhere that they didn't intend on going. So I definitely, definitely hear that in what you all are saying and it, it's resonant for me. So tell me more, cause you started uh, talking about how Mississippi first became a thing. Tell me more about like, what that journey has been like introducing that organization to the community, getting people, getting buy-in, getting young people buy-in, getting family and community. What has that journey been like? And maybe even share some of the projects that you all work on that you're really proud of. Okay. Yeah. So we started under the umbrella of Mississippi first and Mississippi first really focused on just educational access. Um, And they've been around for about 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was, I wasn't even on the scene, even remotely on the scene when, when they became a thing, but they knew that um, sex education directly impacted educational outcomes. So they got into that work. And then as the work just kind of grew, we realized that we had to have a different space because while some people like K-12, they kind of don't want an organization that does um, pre-K work and does sex ed. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a, mix, a mixed bag of sorts. Um, and so Teen Health Mississippi ultimately ended up spinning off, um, and I was uh, selected to kind of lead that spinoff. And it's been just a wonderful, wonderful process. We started with, I think, like 32 school districts that were a part of our sex education program. And then we just had this idea of what does it look like to build a 360 model completely surrounded by youth, um, mm-hmm. for and about youth and with youth. And that has been um, actually a welcomed a welcome thing within our communities. Uh, there's still some fear, some trepidation around around the idea, but then understanding that sex ed, uh, and we've talked about this in a couple of spaces, sex ed as a social change agent, um, mm-hmm. being able to change the world. And so what does it look like to have conversations about healthy relationships, intimate partner violence, the range of just topics around that. It's just not uh, what you do, what you do to tell you. It's, body, mind, soul, how do we have that conversation overall? And it's been just kind of a really wonderful journey. We have about 11 programs, four or five of them focus specifically on youth, whether they're doing peer-to-peer sex education, social media uh, around mental and sexual health, and then the legislative arm or the advocacy arm with our program, my Mississippi Youth Council. Uh, And then around that we have, like I think all the work that Katrina does, which is uh, making sure that teachers, um, faith-based organizations, uh, community-based organizations, the range of pe- healthcare, all have that access to information because when we have that two-fold information, when young people have that information and then adults have it, 
that is a way different conversation when mm-hmm. only adults have that information or when only youth have that information. Agreed. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of our, our journey. I love it. Oh, it gets me so excited. And what I what I also love about what you what you said is that because you all center community and you focus on community, you're prioritizing the needs of young people, but it's not separate from the parents and it's not separate from the families that they come into, which is important. One of the things I've often said in my conversations, um, actually I heard it and then I built on it because I thought about my own journey. I heard Deborah Hefner talk about how in African-American communities, parents will say, if anybody's going to teach my kid about sex ed, it's going to be me. And I think about my own journey and think about the ways that even like, the ways that parents for the most part invest themselves in their young person's development. And they, they serve as like the barrier to say, no, like it's not that I'm anti-sex. I'm just very clear that I am the chief educator for my child and good, you know, again, good, bad, or indifferent. We can talk about the challenges of that, but to me, it necessitates recognizing like you can't just take kids away from their family, give them the knowledge, and then that's the end of it. It's like, no, sometimes even when you're talking with with families that may be positive, sometimes that education looks like educating mama too, educating aunties and mima and getting them all in the space to learn because, you know, some of that ignorance, if you will, for lack of a better word, is generational. And, you know, everybody wants to be part of that process. And so I really what I'm hearing, I really love the ways that y'all are bringing the adults into the conversation, but centering the young people, but recognize and gird, undergirding the adults as being able to assist in that empowerment as well. It, it was so interesting. We had a session where we were talking about, specifically that one that we had in the church setting, and we were talking about like the range of birth control options. It's like, hey, you know, these are now, now available. They weren't available at first, so young people were learning about these options and they couldn't get them. So mm-hmm. how sex ed has to definitely be tied into the healthcare system is something that we're also working on as well. But in that session, we're talking to these adults and like, hey, so if your child needs this, these are resources available. And, and adults were, the parents were like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, you telling me that I? You're right. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna sign up for this myself. Like, right, why are you playing? Look. I'll work on my child later, but right now, this is new right. to you. Right, and it was it was kind of having moments like that that just helped us realize that it can't be one dimensional. Yeah, like it has to be like we have to do this. Everybody has to get some information here because not only is it helping the young people, um, but it's helping the adults in their mm-hmm. lives. And we see that this has to be a community approach, and and it's it's been amazing to do that um, in the process. But yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's where I'm like, yeah, I come live in Mississippi. Probably for about six months. Then I'd be like, okay, I got to go back home. But I re- see, that's what I'm talking about, though. Like, that type of community. It's invaluable, right? So, um, okay, so let's say somebody's listening, and they're like, this is blowing my mind. I did not know that people were actually, like, having these conversations. Here I am thinking that we're not, we're still kind of hiding. We're still not doing it. So now I'm ready to kind of dip my toe and, and learn some things and grow and maybe even talk to my kids, have the sex talk, all of those things, right? Let's say somebody's there and they're like, you know, Dr. Crenshaw, Petrina, what do I do? How do I get started? What advice would you give them for their journey? Sure, I'm gonna let you take that one. Okay. <laughs> well, first and foremost, uh, so glad that you're here and so excited for you to want to begin on that journey. Uh, we were talking about it, um, I think it was yesterday, of uh, the idea of people, once we begin to reach out, we get to hear, better understand, like, what's going on. And so if a person is interested in having that talk, well, we actually have resources. We have um, a trusted adult series where we begin to look at the different components that um, can offer the foundational kind of um, information about like what's necessary in the talk well you know where, where do we start with young people do we like sit them down at a table and say well this is the ma- male anatomy this female anatomy well no we, we can begin with a conversation when we sit in the car listening to that song like mm-hmm. oh what about that song do you like and not be like a god but like oh my goodness what why are it's like okay breathe Mm-hmm. Okay. What about this song? Do you like? And be okay that you know that's the place where the education can begin, and it can become organic there. But it's just about being okay 
that this is where we're starting, and it's an ongoing conversation. It's not just a one and done. It's um, as we have more conversations, we might need to learn a little bit more. So we come on back to the resources where we, we know where they're available, and we continue to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I love that. You you actually reminded me of something I was thinking about earlier. <clears throat> we're talking about music, right? And I was thinking about blues, which made me think so my mom got married last year and at the reception they were singing this song it was a blues song i think it was i left my home to be with my side piece yes and i was like whoa i was like i mean i wasn't shocked you know i wasn't like verklempt but i was like this is grown this is not no young person song and so (laughs) but i'm I'm sorry to tell you like in mississippi like blues is blues is still king like we we of course so, so you have like five, like five, seven, nine-year-olds vibing out to that song. Like, <laughs> really? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. I love, actually, so, so, so I, I brought it up because I was like, I also wonder if there's opportunities to have conversations with yourself about, okay, well, what are you listening to? And why do you like that? You know, why do you like it? Not just your kids, but what is it about it that you enjoy? And how do you use that to communicate to the people that you want to, you know, have relationships with or be intimate with and how do you negotiate through that? So I feel like there's so many levels, but I feel like we could do a whole episode just on sex and the blues itself because <laughs> them stories got sagas. I mean, them stories got sagas in them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Between that, um, sex and the blues and just like stories my grandma told me about sex like like that's a whole series within itself yes 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 i i I, yeah like okay but i I don't want to take away you all were answering the question so let me turn it back to you (laughs) what do you think dr crenshaw um yeah i i would say immediately i'm going to say team health mississippi um, but there are so many organizations, there are so many organizations that are, are available within your state. Um, in fact, there are like 22 at least um, organizations that do very similar work to Team Health Mississippi that, um, that, that you have access to. Um, but also we are starting online series as well. Like, we're out here. Yeah. <laughs> we're out here for everybody. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So we have online series and trainings and things like that that we have available we also have like resource booklets that we can ship out to people for free we have safer sex kits um, for young people as well mental health and sexual health resources that are, are available so like we have these free resources that you don't have to give us your name they're just there and we'll send them to you and if, you, if that's your lunch point in then that's your lunch plenty and then we wanna, we're not going to stop you about those things uh, we just want you to be able to get that information in those resources. Yes, 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 yes. Love it, love it, love it. Um, okay, so we're almost getting to my rapid fire questions that I end with. But before we do that, I want to invite you all to share, um, especially given that there are 22 other organizations that do this work, um, and maybe not even just as an organization, but yourselves as sexuality educators what you feel like your role, your impact, your significance is at this moment in time, particularly when we see a lot of things that are happening on the political level in terms of access and the changes. Um, What do you feel like your significance and maybe even your legacy might be when people are looking back at this time in history and Teen Health Mississippi and the work that you're doing? What do you feel like you want that to be? Um, I would think, I think it's, it's been the current, the, the, the running theme that we've had so far, far is that um, communities need a voice. They need an outlet. Um, and maybe they're not, they're not you know, New York, right? <laughs> that kind of gets a lot of attention or not like a met- famous metropolitan area, but these communities need voices. And I would like to think that um, the legacy for myself as well as Teen Health is that we gave voice. Uh, and we were unapologetic about how we gave voice and who we gave those voices to uh, because these community, communities matter. Even if people identify them as like the middle of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where there are people, it is somewhere. And those people matter. Um, our black people matter. Our rural black people matter. The state of Mississippi matters. And, and we want to be a part of making sure that they're recognized. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. How about you, Petrina? 
Hmm. Um, I think it's that Teen Health Mississippi, to me, is creating the community and world that I want to live in, right? Because we hold the space for one another, because we can um, have a conversation and be like, well, that landed this way for me, and I want to hear you again so I can hear you. But, like, something landed some type of way. So what does it mean to continue to do this work in community so we can create the the changes, the spaces, the places that I want to live in, I want my community to thrive in. So um, just continuing to have these brave, sometimes scary, but also we gonna be all right conversations because we're willing to talk about it together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, we could talk all day, but I know y'all are busy. So we gonna <laughs> get ready to wrap it up. But I am so really grateful that y'all um, took time to be with me and to have this. I'm like, I want to come visit. I just want to come hang out. But, you know, we got things to do. And Mississippi's far from New Jersey. So I'll just do end with my rapid fire questions. These are just five sentence stems. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Y'all ready? We think so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hope said, uh, sure. Like, I don't know what you about to ask me. <laughs> So the first one is, sexiness is. Uh, it's my smile. Yes. Yes. Our collective smiles. Yes. Black folks smiling is just absolutely. Yes. For real, for real. <laughs> Petrina, what about you? Sexiness is our presence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so this may be duplicate, but we're going to keep going. The sexiest thing about blackness and or black people is. Resilience is so sexy. Like, mm. like the ability to, and we shouldn't have to be this resilient, but out of necessity, um, it was birthed and mm-hmm. it, mm, it's just mm-hmm. something about that. I dig it. I dig it. Hmm. I say our swagger. It's like our confidence and our competence mm-hmm. and just how we do what we do. Come on, confidence and competence. Hello. Hello. Yes. Um, my go to for feeling sexy is I'm gonna let you jump in first. <laughs> right on. Um music and dancing. Mm-hmm. Like moving my body just yeah mm-hmm. put on some of that blues <laughs> there it is <laughs> um any any body of water Ooh, yes there's just something that that water just does for me it takes me to another place mm-hmm. um yeah i love that i love that okay next one sexual freedom for black folk is achieved when I have this thought in mind, but I can't fully articulate it, but it's, it's basically when we let go of what we were told is what is right or wrong, mm-hmm. or what is normal and what is abnormal. It's when we follow our hearts and it takes us to a place that makes us happy. Mm-hmm. That made me happy hearing that. That made my heart smile. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's when our divinity gets to be in this space, right? Unapologetically. Like, we get to be the divine people that we are. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I feel like I want to put some words in your mouth. Feel free to spit them out if they don't, if you don't like the taste. But I'm also, I'm also feeling when people recognize and know their divinity, right? Like when they are clear that that is who they are, right? Yeah, and okay that it might feel a little funny at first, like I can't be the friend, like, oh, but you are, Mm -hmm. we are, Ah. we are. Woo, okay. (laughs) Last sentence stem, and I just realized in this moment, I always say I have five sentence stems, but I actually have six. So I guess in future episodes, I'm going to change that. But (laughs) last one. When I'm done being on this podcast, I will. 
when I'm done being on this podcast, I will go and make my chai tea for the morning. Yes, chai tea? Come on. Yeah, Idris Elba's chai tea. Ooh, or even better. Yeah, Talk about chocolate. sexy. Mm. Mm. Come on. <laughs> How about you, Dr. Crenshaw? I have emails. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was a beautiful break. This is a beautiful yes. moment. Like, it's Agreed. warm and it's fuzzy. Agreed. And the cold, harsh world is after me. Right. In I have some emails to attend to. No, um, it's real. But... It's real. And I, I wasn't even, like I, like I said, we, when I talked to Dr. Dixon, it was like, we hear an opinion at the same time. It's like, no, like. That's the work. That's what we're doing. We're going to work. So, <laughs> Well, I'm not going to waste too much of your time. Again, I thank y'all so much for being on this uh, episode with me. Definitely thank you both ladies for being here. Can you let the folks know, how can they find y'all or find out more about Teen Health Mississippi if they want to support or if they just want to keep in touch or anything like that? Where would they go? Yeah, you can check us out at www.teenhealthms dot org um or you can also reach us on facebook and instagram um teen health mississippi beautiful beautiful excellent and so with that we are done thank y'all again for listening talk to you next time bye <laughs> you've been listening to tsob with dr g produced by dr tracy q gilbert of tembi and i to keep up with all things tsob Follow us on social media at TSOB The Podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.